Hi, this is Tony Roberts, and I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Welcome to the first episode of 2016 here at On Screen and Beyond. This is episode 394 of the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this week our guest is Tony Roberts. He's going to be joining us. He's been in all kinds of Woody Allen movies. He's been on Broadway. He's done so much. He's going to be here right here on On Screen and Beyond as our first guest for 2016, as well as we're going to be talking about uh, releases that are coming out in January in theaters and on DVD and Blu-ray. And uh, we appreciate all the Happy New Year wishes that we got. And uh, there's all kinds of people who are sending emails to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. Love hearing from you. And I was looking over the stats of where our listeners are and everything. And uh, this week, for the first time, uh, I've noticed that we have some guests, uh, listeners, who are from Seychelles. Now, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but it's an island country off the coast of Africa on the Madagascar side, you know, just north of Madagascar. And uh, it's the first time it showed up on the listings of uh, where we have listeners. So uh, it doesn't show us every single listener that listens, but uh, the higher ones. And we evidently have a couple of people or quite a few people that are listening there. So we appreciate you listening to us. And if you're listening from anywhere in the world, Go ahead and contact us at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. Love hearing from you and love finding out where our listeners are. So we appreciate it, and I hope that uh, we'll keep getting more and more people listening to On Screen and Beyond in 2016. And I hope we're going to be bringing you some great guests, as we always do. And this week, like I said, Tony Roberts is going to be joining us. And, and he's just done so much, and he's going to be talking about his book that he has coming out, or out, out now anyways. And uh, all sorts of things. So uh, stick around for that. That's coming up. He's got a very interesting story to tell right here on On Screen and Beyond. Well, what do you say? Let's get into it. The first episode of 2016 for On Screen and Beyond. And it is time now to find out what's coming our way in theaters in January as far as remakes. You hang up and try again. Remake Madness? Well, it's not that mad in January, as far as we can tell. There are no remakes scheduled for January, so uh, it's a, a little bit of a trend. Happens this time of every year. They sort of just uh, slack off a little bit. Once in a while, you'll get a few, but not too many. And next on On Screen and Beyond, let's find out what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies in theaters in January, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Upcoming new movies coming our way in theaters in January. And January 8th, The Forest will set out to terrify us as they go into a suicide forest in Japan. And Norm of the North stars Rob Schneider as a polar bear who ends up in New York City. That comes our way on January 15th. January 22nd, it looks like Robert De Niro and Zac Efron will head out on a road trip in the comedy Dirty Grandpa. And Lauren Cohen of The Walking Dead fame will star in the horror film The Boy, 
And that comes our way on January 22nd. Also on January 22nd, alien invasions will arrive in the fifth wave. And it looks like Natalie Portman will star in Jane Got a Gun on January 29th. And on January 29th, also look for Chris Pine and Casey Affleck to star in The Finest Hour. And this one is a thrill of a movie, and it's going to be about a true story that happened from the Coast Guard as they were performing one of their amazing rescues. And on January 29th, also, Fifty Shades of Black parodies the popular book, Fifty Shades of Grey. It's coming your way from Marlon Wayans. And that's it. For upcoming new movies, next on On Screen to Be On, what's coming our way in theaters as far as sequels? This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. As far as sequels coming our way in theaters in January, there's a couple. Ride Along 2 brings back Kevin Hart and Ice Cube for another comedy ride. And on January 29th, Jack Black returns in Kung Fu Panda 3. That's it for Sequel City as far as movies coming our way as far as sequels in January. Next on screen to be on, what's coming away as far as TV on DVD in January? TV on DVD coming our way in January, January 8th. It looks like Ancient Aliens Season 8, Archer Season 6. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and that's Season 10. January 12th, Hill Street Blues Season 7. The Wonder Years Season 4. January 19th, Little House on the Prairie Season 8. And it looks like The Saint Season 3 and Season 4 will be coming our way. January 26th. Downton Abbey, Season 6, and The Facts of Life, Season 8. That's it for TV on DVD in January. Coming up next on On Screen or Beyond, what's coming your way as far as movies on DVD in January? <laughs> movies coming your way in January on DVD. It looks like January 5th, Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse is going to be coming our way along with Sakaro, and that's with Emily Blunt. The Visit with Karen Hahn and The Walk with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. January 12th, Hotel Transylvania 2 with Adam Sandler, The Martian with Matt Damon, Paranormal Activity, The Ghost Dimension, and Sinister 2 will be coming our way. January 19th, Everest with Josh Brolin, The Intern with Anne Hathaway, and Straight Outta Compton. January 25th, Goosebumps with Jack Black will be heading our way. And that's it for movies on DVD coming our way in January. Next on On Screen to Be On, it's TV and Entertainment Time. TV and Entertainment Time, well, sadly, Wayne Rogers, who played Trapper John McIntyre on the MASH TV show, has passed away at the age of 82. And on Sunday, January 24th, The X-Files will return on Fox at 8 p.m. with other episodes being aired on Mondays. And that's it for TV and Entertainment Time. Next on On Screen to Be On, it's Celebrity Birthdays.
to me, eh? And you moan and groan and woe. Don't forget we told you so. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! <laughs> Celebrity birthdays. It looks like on January 4th, it's Diane Cannon turning 79. January 5th, Marilyn Manson turns 47. And it looks like Bradley Cooper turns 41. And it looks like Robert Duvall turns 85 and Diane Keaton turns 70. January 6th, Norman Reddus turns 47 from The Walking Dead. And on January 7th, it looks like it's Nicolas Cage turning 52 and Katie Couric turns 59. And on January 8th, it's David Bowie turning 69. And on January 9th, Dave Matthews turns 49. J.K. Simmons turns 61. And on January 10th, Rod Stewart turns 71. Pat Benatar turns 63. That's it for Celebrity Birthdays. As far as listener birthdays, John Q. of San Diego, California, he turns 47 on January 7th. If you, a friend, or a relative are having a birthday and want to celebrate it with all of us all over the world here at On Screen and Beyond, send me the information at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. And we'll all wish you a very happy birthday. We'll all celebrate it with you. And that's it for Celebrity Birthdays. Next on On Screen and Beyond, so glad to get this guy on the show. Tony Roberts is going to be joining us. He has been in so many movies. And he has a new book out. It's a fascinating story. Got to check it out. It's Tony Roberts next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today on On Screen and Beyond, we are honored to have as our guest an actor who has been nominated for two Tony Awards for his work on Broadway and in movies. He has co-starred in so many movies, including Annie Hall's Serpico, Play It Again, Sam, 18 Again, and so many others. He has a memoir out called Do You Know Me? It's Tony Roberts. Tony, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Thank you, Brian. It's nice to be with you. And, and Tony, I have to answer your question from your book, Do You Know Me? And it is undoubtedly a yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wrote it because a lot of people approach me in the streets and say, where do I know you from? <laughs> and I start listing things, and they shake their heads and say, no, no, it wasn't that. No, I didn't see that. No, etc." And uh, so I gave a list of titles to a good friend of mine, an actor by the name of Lawrence Pressman, and he said, uh, the name of the book should be Do You Know Me? And I took his advice because he got better grades than I did in college. <laughs> so that's how that came about. Now, I noticed in the book you did, you actually talked about that, somebody coming up to you and uh, 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 saying they remembered you from somewhere and everything. Does that happen a lot? Yes, it does. Uh, uh, people have mistaken me for a distant cousin or an uncle they haven't seen for a long time, or whatever, and uh, they they thought I was other people. Uh, I've had arguments in the street <laughs> where people <laughs> insist that I'm uh, Wayne Rogers, or in the old days, Elliot Gould or something, and I have to take out my uh, driver's license and say, no, no, I'm not, that's not who I am. So it just seemed like an amusing uh, uh, occurrence. Wow, that's that's amazing. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, of course, everybody probably remembers you for a specific thing. You know, I mean, there are some people who see every single movie and everything, but 
you know, you've been in so many different things. Some people will say, oh, he's, he was from Serpico, or he was from one of the Woody Allen movies. Or... Yes, it's interesting. When when uh, my daughter was uh, still of the right age, we would go to Disneyland together, and uh, uh, I would be recognized from appearances I'd made on the love boat, uh, which <laughs> yeah. I was on once or twice, I think, uh, uh, and I was a love interest for Julie. And in Disneyland, both in Los Angeles and in Florida, they never recognized me from a Woody Allen movie or from uh, any, any of the others, but they certainly knew me from the television program, The Love Boat. Wow. And that was kind of surprising. Yeah, I, I mean... So it goes. Yeah, and, and you've done so many Woody Allen movies. Uh, have, have you been friends with Woody for a long time? Well, we'd never met until I auditioned for his first play uh, on Broadway called Don't Drink the Water, which was later made into a movie, uh, uh, not with Woody or myself, but uh, that was where we first met, and I auditioned about five times for that part, and uh, I wasn't getting anywhere. David Merrick, who produced it, uh, thought that I should have the, the... the leading role in it, and Woody wasn't convinced, uh, uh, but we'd never met. Uh, one night he appeared in my dressing room. I was on Broadway in uh, Barefoot in the Park. I had replaced Robert Redford, and I was in it for about 18 months. And he um, strolled into my dressing room, and he said, Hey, you're very good. He said, uh, uh, How come you're such a bad auditioner? <laughs> <laughs> And that was the beginning of a rather towel-snapping affection, which uh, still exists to this day. And uh, we do see each other and uh, converse and uh, go to basketball games and shoot the breeze, etc. Hmm. Yeah. Now, one thing I noticed about the book, the first thing, uh, I noticed you dedicated it to your daughter, which is, which is very nice. Uh, and and it's, is there a certain story behind why you did that? Well, I had a lot of choices about what to write about, to be honest with you. Uh, uh, Publishing houses wanted me to write about a lot of scandalous stuff and Mm, (laughs) inside stuff about my life and about uh, Woody's life and about other things. And uh, that was never my ambition. Uh, I was never uh, really drawn to do that. Uh, So I wrote it. Uh, with all of the parts of my life that I feel proud of or that I feel proud to have survived, let's say. And um, uh, it seemed the person I was hoping would uh, like it the best would be my daughter. Uh, and uh, she's uh, approved. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not... Uh, it, was, it was just... If I was going to dedicate it to anybody, that's, that's who it, it occurred to me to do it. So hopefully she'll enjoy this for many, many years. Yeah. Now, what made you decide to write a book? Especially, you know, a memoir. It can be, like you say, it can be scandalous or it can be, you know, whichever way you want to go with it. But uh, it's something I always wonder why, why people are doing that. Well, that's a great question. The, the, the fact is, you know, I didn't start to write it as a book. It was um, I began writing some articles about 15 years ago about particular incidences that had happened to me that I thought were funny or horrendous or at least very interesting. And uh, I started writing short pieces and uh, stuffing them into the closet and uh, leaving them alone for a while and going back and rewriting them or writing them differently. And finally, I had a huge stack of stuff, but that didn't necessarily coalesce into something. Mm-hmm. So the hardest part was uh, 
finally saying, all right, how does this all connect? What, what's this got to do? What's the journey? What's the story here? And when I finished putting it together, I, I realized it was really a book about acting. And it's a, it's a book, I think, that would appeal mostly to people who want to become actors mm-hmm. or who are interested in the process of acting or what the business is like in terms of its uh, uh, ups and downs. And uh, that's what the book is really uh, about and uh, who it's for. Uh, everybody who reads it, uh, at least so far, has come up with stuff that they that they enjoy, but it's very different. Some people like the stuff about Woody. Some people like the stuff about my teacher, who was a very famous uh, uh, teacher of acting at Northwestern University, who taught there for 35 years and turned out a lot of stars, Charlton Heston, Patricia Neal, Inga Swenson, Jeffrey Hunter, Paula Prentice, Karen Black. It goes on wow. forever. Richard Benjamin, and so on. But um, uh, people find different things in it interesting to them. And um, ultimately, I do think uh, what its value is, if it has any value, is for aspiring actors. That's the answer. Mm-hmm. And and I like the way you had those uh, the I think it was the, the five rules of acting or the five stages oh, of acting. You're talking about the five stages, stages of an actor's yes. career. Yes. Yeah. They uh, some some old timer said to me backstage in a show I was in when I was about 24 years old on Broadway and we were closing soon because it didn't get good reviews and he said to me, "Well, don't be worried, kid." He said, "You know the five stages of an actor's career, don't you?" And I said, uh, no, no, what are, what are the five stages of an actor's career, sir? And he said, well, the first stage would be, who's Tony Roberts? And the next stage would be, get me, Tony Roberts. And then the next stage would be, um, get me uh, a Tony Roberts type, because that's the height of your career. And then you get, get me a young Tony Roberts. <laughs> And then finally, you get who's Tony Roberts? Because the people who are casting and shooting and directing are in their twenties or thirties. Right. You know that's the way things go. Yeah. So somehow or other, I connected the material that I've been writing for almost fifteen years into those phases and those stages of my career, Mm. and that's what it's about. But I I found that to be—it's actually a very true statement that 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 those. uh, the phases of an actor. It's, uh, well, it's, it's, like tr- a... it's, it's not true of people like Cary Grant, although recently I addressed a group of students at uh, uh, an auspicious acting school, and many of them really didn't know what Bra- who Brando was. Hmm, and geez. that's so unthinkable I know. To, pe- to people of my generation because he, he, there was a seismic shift in, in what uh, was valued as good acting when mm-hmm. he came along. And uh, it was so important to all of us who were starting out at that time that it's uh, hard to imagine that in today's world they 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 really don't they don't know what he did. Mm, yeah. You know, and and uh, anyway, that it's it's uh, it. I guess it's in the long run, it's about time. It's about time passing and things changing. But what stays the same, or what's constant, or what's important about theater? is really where I uh, was hoping it would go. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing here, the people who listen to On Screen and Beyond, I mean, we know 
all the actors, all the, <laughs> we, uh-huh. we remember everybody because, I mean, everybody enjoys hearing the stories and, and uh, the different actors we've had on. And uh, like I say, it's, we were. Well, you know, a lot of people come up and they say, where have you been? I haven't seen you <laughs> in a long time, you know, or well, gee, I haven't seen you in a long time. Well, you know, as far as the uh, subjective reply to that is, is that, well, I'm not dead. I've been doing a lot of stuff. I really have. You just haven't seen it. Right. I have a friend who says that when people come up to him and say, hey, what have I seen you in? He, rather than list his credentials for 30 or 40 years of material and work that he's done, he says to them, well, you tell me what you've seen, and I'll tell you if I was in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is a little snarky, of course. You have to move quickly after you say that. <laughs> but but there's a truth in it, and uh, there's, there's almost a kind of uh, arrogant uh, presumption on the part of... Uh, any audience member to say I've seen everything that that uh, actor has done mm-hmm. yeah. because thanks to Turner Classic Movies I'm always discovering movies with favorite actors of mine that I never heard of mm-hmm. yeah. but in the old days you know people would make 150 films in their career when they were signed to a studio and uh, they were under obligation to complete a certain amount of work they just went from week to week to week to mostly bad material and bad movies mm-hmm. but uh, that's why we don't know them yeah. uh, they yeah. came and they disappeared but um, it's it's hard to tell somebody what they really saw you in of course i always start with annie hall or serpico cuz those were the most uh, prominent films i made yeah yeah now, and you do so much Broadway. Um, do you have a preference of movies or Broadway? Or yes, I do because uh, I think uh, I think the theater is a place for immediate uh, reward and gratification and communication, and uh, you can feel what's going on in the house, uh, whether it's uh, going over or it's not going over, or whether they're laughing or they're quiet or mm-hmm. they're coughing and they're walking up the aisles and you can take action on the spot <laughs> in a sense to uh, to grab their attention uh, if if you feel it's failing um and of course you do it eight times a week on broadway and uh, it's never the same twice because each audience has its own personality that affects the production how long they laugh, how many of them are in the theater to laugh on a particular night, whether it's follow the leader because there's a group down front who thinks everything is funny and so everyone follows them, or there isn't that group and it's a rather flat night. But it's alive, and uh, unlike the movies where you shoot your particular scene and you may never even meet the people who are in the movie with you because their shooting days were, you know, a, a week before, a week after, whatever. And there's no sense of performance for anybody except the crew who are hovering around with microphones and cameras and whatnot. Uh, so you you really are at the mercy of the director entirely in a in a film uh, and the editor of course because you don't know when they're going to cut away from right. you or when they're going to go over the shoulder or what's going to happen. So the real medium, as far as I think, is is uh, is the theater where actors uh, practice their craft uh, as it uh, was originally intended. Have you ever had a time when you were on stage where you say you have good days, bad days with the audience uh, where I mean, the audience was, no matter what you did, nothing went over. I mean, it was. has it ever been that bad? 
Well, sometimes you 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 have a very full house on a Saturday night. You know, uh, that's a big night on Broadway, and uh, every seat will be sold, and you'll hear uh, loud and long laughter. And you come back again on uh, Tuesday night now. It used to be Monday night, and it's a much smaller house if the play's been running for a long time because that's not such a, a busy evening uh, in the theater. And there'll be maybe a third of a house that's full, so the laughs will sound much smaller. And they won't last as long, mm-hmm. so the actors have to adjust to that. And uh, it's it can be demoralizing, even though you can't get angry at the people who aren't there. Right, yeah. <laughs> so it's an adjustment that everybody has to make, and uh, you get used to it after a while. And you try to give as real and as spontaneous and as invested uh, performance as you're capable of. And you do that out of your own sense of uh, commitment and pride in what you do. And you do it for the sake of your fellow actors, too, because actors really make a bargain to each other to believe in some kind of imaginary world. And when they meet, uh, the audience is uh, witness to something that's transcending and that they believe that seems like it never happened before and Mm -hmm. they're there to see it and feel it and laugh at it Uh, so that's why we do what we do Um, uh, it isn't because uh, it's easy to get a job or because it's uh, remunerative in 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 any consistent way you can be uh, lucky one year and then not lucky for another 10 years right. so uh, there's a there's a bottom line commitment to each other and to the uh, craft itself you know, under the best of circumstances mhm yeah and one of the stories that uh, I found amusing uh, and sort of enlightening too was when you were talking in the book about when you were young and you were watching I think it was a James Cagney movie, but I'm not sure. Uh, but you were watching the film, and of course there was machine guns and people getting killed and Cagney falling or you know down, dying, and, and you were coming out of the theater as the kid, as a kid, and you were acting like you were getting shot, and you were falling down the, the staircase in this theater, and they actually booted you out. <laughs> yes, I was thrown out of the RKO 86th Street Theater several times, and so were my friends. We uh, we got pleasure out of recreating the uh, the violent scenes that we had just enjoyed uh, in the gangster films, and we we wanted to outdo each other. So we had uh, you know in a sense a kind of contest going at all times as to who could die best, mm-hmm. who could die most convincingly, and uh, you know from three bullets or seven bullets, how many times did you spin around? Did you bounce off a telegraph pole? Um, it was good to die at a bus stop because there were people waiting there for the bus and they would see you die. And, of course, they knew it was kidding around. I don't think we ever right. did it to really uh, uh, hope that the police would show up. Right. But it was a spontaneous, uh, absurd, r- ridiculous uh, recreation of what we'd seen inside the movie houses. Mm-hmm. But that's when you sort of realized that, hey, I can get paid for this? <laughs> no, no, Cagney didn't pay for it. He got paid for it. I'm sorry, I may have misheard you. No, I, I think you're referring to a realization that happens in the early book that I, I realized what fun it was to pretend and that the grown-ups were actually being paid. Yeah, that's what I mean. You, you, you realize that, hey, I could do this and, and I could get paid for it as an actor. <laughs> and get and make a living. Yes. yes. Against uh, all the, uh, all the um, odds and against the truth, uh, <laughs> I believed that this would be a good way to make a living.
<laughs> my father and my cousin, who was an actor of uh, some note, um, Everett Sloan, who was in uh, several Orson Welles films, um, and my father had been an actor when he was in his early 20s. He was uh, in a Broadway play that closed very quickly when he was about 22 years old, and then he became an announcer on the radio and did well with that for the rest of his career. Uh, I was advised not to be an actor because it was uh, such a long shot, uh, mm -hmm. because 85% of the union is unemployed at all times. Wow. Those are dues-paying people. So uh, it, it was a rough road to go uh, through. I, I, you know, my father and my cousins wanted to spare me the disappointments and the rejection that uh, that come with so many careers. Uh, so they uh, they would have preferred me to go to medical school or to be a lawyer or to do something that would lead to stability, which uh, they uh, rarely enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, jeez. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And, and, and another story that cracked me up was when you were in the army and you were the acting uh, staff sergeant yeah. and the two guys were fighting with a bayonet and a gun. <laughs> well, I don't know if they had a bayonet and a gun. I guess, did I say that one that's, of them had a gun? I yeah, think he had a gun. The, the rifle butt. Oh, the rifle butt. He had a rifle butt. Oh, okay. But he but he wasn't pointing a loaded gun at anybody. No, but he, he said he was... not allowed to have ammunition right. for dicks after hours. Yeah, but they were using the rifle butt to fight. <laughs> well, they were angry at each other, and uh, it was escalating into something that uh, wasn't uh, going to end up uh, pretty. And I decided it was time for Burt Lancaster from to, 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 from here to eternity when he breaks up a fight. And I used his exact dialogue and, of course, as much of his intonation as I could manage. And I actually got these two guys to, uh, uh, you know, f uh, stop. Wow. And, uh, it was, it was a, uh, a vivid moment for me and uh, one it took a long time to calm down from after it was over. <laughs> I didn't believe I was able to do that. Wow, you must have been... <laughs> yes, it was hard not to go... I wanted to go call Bert Lancaster if I knew how. Right. And say, thanks a lot. It worked. <laughs> yeah. Now, another thing, I didn't realize this, but uh, you had an accident, and you had an acute uh, subdural hematoma? Yeah, I did. I didn't, and I you did. couldn't speak. You couldn't speak anymore when you came out of it. And everything? I couldn't speak, and I couldn't remember anything. And I was unconscious in a coma for seven days in wow. the hospital. And uh, my recovery was uh, a miracle. Um, uh, that that was about seven or eight years ago, and uh, it took a while for things to return to normal, uh, if there is such a thing. But uh, I think I'm fully recovered. Uh, you never know what you don't know, and you never really mm -hmm. know what memories you may have lost. But 
I don't feel as if I've lost any memories other than the normal memories that people lose as they get older and that everybody right. experiences. Yeah. But uh, that I was able to uh, come back as as well as I did was primarily due to my daughter's care mm-hmm. because she uh, she got me through it. Yeah. Uh, now you, it was very difficult. Yeah, and you mentioned that, uh, you know, you didn't know if you'd be able to write your memoir ever because you would you couldn't remember what you re- what you didn't remember. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. But you, you and I written. didn't want it to be a diary. You know, sometimes it felt like I was writing a diary, and then I thought, well, I don't want to write a diary and then publish that. I mean, I don't have that much of a of a sense of importance, you know, to think I could write a diary and put everything into it and somehow put that out into the public sphere. I, that wasn't my intention. But a lot of what I would read back uh, when I was combing through it to make adjustments uh, read to me like a diary. And uh, it didn't have any um, uh, kind of uh, purpose or uh, momentum. So that was one of the one of the issues I dealt with as I as I completed the book, I didn't want it to be a diary. Mm. Well, I tell you, it's it's a fascinating book, and I, I you know I I haven't had a chance to complete it yet, but uh, from what I've read so far, it's it's just it's one of those books that you don't want to put down. Thank you so much. That's uh, very nice to hear that. I appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it. Now, Tony, I'd like to finish up with two final questions. Sure. Uh, taking us away from your book, your acting, and and everything else you've done, but when you sit back and relax. What do you watch on TV? What are your favorite TV shows now and of the past? And what's your favorite movies now and of the past? Wow. Well, uh, i got to tell you, I'm a C-SPAN junkie. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I, I, I really go first to C-SPAN 1, 2, and 3 because mm-hmm. uh, the chance of finding a real uh, happening moment between uh, two people who are, uh, you know, accomplished enough to have uh, been elected to the Congress and who are now in a heated debate about something is an example of of behavior and i think it's behavior that really attracted me to acting and attracts attracts most actors to it you know there's something to be studied and learned from observing human behavior and that's the beginning of what an actor should be doing is observing how people stand how they sit how they express sadness or joy and what they're uh, what they're like uh, in the way they behave so on c-span you get to see a lot of people who are um, very bright, not always, but, <laughs> but sometimes, and uh, they're they're at the pinnacle of their uh, uh, emotion and uh, thought process, and I find that very interesting. So mm-hmm. I'd rather watch that yeah. than watch what I learned from experience are scripted, episodic uh, television programs, mm-hmm. which are invented by, uh, unfortunately, in most cases committees of people right. uh, studio uh, heads and uh, directors and producers and advertisers and so on and so forth and it's all very demographically focused they want to make a show that'll appeal to children or a show that'll appeal to women or a show that'll appeal to women who've been abused or mm-hmm. uh, women who are sexy or whatever it is yep. Yep. and uh, that that's not as much uh, fun to me as uh, watching stuff really happen Yeah. 
So that's the answer to the first part of your question, I yeah. think. As for movies, um, uh, I, I, uh, I love movies, and, and I watch a lot of old movies on uh, Turner Classic Movies without commercials. And I see some movies many times because they're so good that they just get better the more you watch them. Uh, the Third Man, Citizen Kane, uh, mm, yeah. Grand Illusion, uh, all so many good movies that uh, just get better the more you see them. Um, and I try and keep up with the current, uh, you know, whatever's going on mm -hmm. at the moment. Yeah, You should watch Annie Hall. It's a great movie. <laughs> you know, I stumbled on it two nights ago as I was channel surfing, and obviously I've seen it, and seen it a couple of times. Mm -hmm. But the other night I caught the last uh, 10 or 15 minutes of it, and uh, it still it still seems so good. Uh, yeah. uh, just, it just struck a wonderful reality for people, and uh, it holds up. It holds up. Yeah. Well, Tony, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to joining us here. And they can pick up your book at Amazon.com, correct? You can get it at Amazon.com. You can even get it at Audible.com if you would rather listen to it, because I recorded um, it's about it's about a seven hour recording. Wow! Uh, but it's my it's my own words, and and I'm reading them. Um, that's one way to do it. But I wouldn't. I would prefer that people read it because I think it's uh, it was intended to be read rather mm -hmm. than heard. It just uh, the adjunct is is that it's heard. But, or do uh, both because <laughs> to hear well, you say it is of good. Of course, uh, <laughs> do both and pay twice. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about it, and it's nice to meet you. A big thank you going out to Tony Roberts for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. And uh, if you get a chance, check out his book. It's a fascinating story. It's called Do You Know Me? Of course we do. <laughs> it's Tony Roberts Stories. And uh, that is available, of course, all over the place. So be sure to check that out. And it's an amazing story like he was telling us. And you just want to hear more about it, I'm sure. Now, that's it for Tony's story. And uh, if you have a guest that you would like to suggest to come our way, hopefully in 2016, send the information to me. Let me know who you think should be on the show. Send the information to feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com, or if you just want to talk with me, send it to me at that address. And let's see, what else? If you're on Facebook, be sure to like us. And if you are on iTunes, leave us a review right there. And that's about it. And I hope you all had a very Merry Christmas and also hope you all had a great New Year. Looking for a great New Year here at On Screen and Beyond. Hopefully we'll bring you some more great guests coming your way. And uh, like you said, if you have a suggestion, help us out and send it to us. Uh, let us know who you think should be on the show. That's it. That's a wrap for this week. So until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zumrak. Take care. Uh -huh.